Hey, welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this show, I speak with inspiring devs to learn how they found success and how you and other self-taught devs can too. Today, I'm joined by Pete from nocsdegree.com. I share stories with self-taught and bootcamp developers who have learned to code and changed their lives, got really good jobs, and I basically find out how they've been successful without doing a CS degree. Not unlike this podcast, Pete interviews successful devs to learn how they did it and how you can too. In this episode, I asked, no, challenged Pete to choose his five best stories from No CS Degree that you can learn from. If you're wondering about Pete and why he started this project, some years ago, he was in a Telegram community for makers and developers where someone asked in a non-boastful way, Hey guys, how much does everyone make here? And this guy was like, hey, I'm 21. I make like six figures. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, and like 21's probably too young maybe to finish the degree. So I got talking to him and he was like, oh yeah, I left school at like 16 and just like got into coding self-taught and now like making like, yeah, six figure salary. And I started like talking to other people because I don't have a CS degree. I did a politics degree at university. And so I was really looking for like motivation, cool examples of people. So I just started speaking to people and everyone that I spoke to was like really happy to like share their story of becoming developers. By the way, the guy Pete is describing, his name is Richard and you'll hear Richard's full story later in this episode. Until then, let's get into it. So I gave you like a pretty difficult challenge, which was to pick maybe five or six of your favorite stories so that we could talk about them for the Scrimba podcast and see what kind of things we can learn, like what strategies these people employed, how they overcame certain challenges. And and yeah, the more details, the better. So what do you reckon, Pete? Shall we jump into it and start with the first story that you picked? Uh, yeah, that sounds magic. That sounds great. This is quite hard today because there's like over a hundred stories on nocs3.com. So it's like hard to like find which are the best, but I guess a lot of these stories are kind of like ones that are nice success stories where people have changed their circumstances. And so, yeah, let's get into it. My first one was uh, Beatrice who did a completely like non-technical degree, but a friend introduced her to a coding meetup in the UK. And she went along to this like coding meetup in a bar and yeah, just got hooked instantly. So that's really nice because like she's into technology for a long time, but she just needed an introduction. So yeah, she basically went through some like online courses on Udemy and like free code camp and stuff like that. And then she got hired as an apprentice developer with a marketing agency. And it's really, it's one of my favorite stories because she actually got hired from my job board. So along with my blog, NoCS degree, I've also got NoCSOK.com, which is a job board, which I share like every week. And I just send you loads of jobs that only require self-taught or bootcamp developers. And so, yeah, it's very rewarding to get like, a message from Beatrice on Twitter saying that they've got hired. So that was very cool. 
Just, I'm reading the post while you talk and also mentions CodeBar, which I have a little bit of familiarity with because at the, an old startup I used to work at, we had like an events space and we worked with CodeBar quite frequently to like host their events. And it was always like a really positive, energetic vibe and a great place to meet like collaborators and, and people to network with who might get you a job. What, what do you think is the importance of going to meetups and stuff like that while you're learning to code? Do you think that helped Beatrice here? Yeah, I think it's an excellent way to like get into coding, but also to get jobs because loads of people get their jobs from personal connections, mm -hmm. and um, it maybe isn't like a hundred percent fair. But the kind of like I was speaking to someone on the No CS Three podcast recently, and this guy Kenneth actually got a job from like a hackathon, and yeah, like lots of people do get hired because of like meeting people at events and stuff like that. So it's not, I think like the Kenneth was making the point that like the standard way of getting a job where you like see a job ad and you like reply with your CV is kind of like the lowest hanging fruit or the like lowest effort thing you can do. But if you're actually going to like, a, say a coding meetup or some kind of networking event, it takes a bit more effort because you have to go and actually chat to people, but you can definitely get more rewards from that approach. 100%. I feel like another big part of getting your first dev job is being like a good collaborator, like friendly, outgoing, fun to work with. And I think going to those events, like you get a good vibe. You kind of learn how to participate and help people. And I think Codebar is a good example of where things might have changed in recent years, but they're always trying to get you involved, whether it's helping people a little bit less experienced than you, then you get to teach all this good stuff. I'll tell you something else as well. Like it was the startup I worked at, we were the ones like buying the pizzas and stuff like that, like sponsoring it. <laughs> and, and a big reason we did it is because of this project where we filmed talks and put them on YouTube for anybody in the world to see, even if you couldn't make the meetup. But through that project, I met a lot of meetup organizers and venues and sponsors. And actually a lot of venues and sponsors, they give the space and they sponsor the event. They buy the pizza because they want to look for like new talent and like see who they can hire and stuff like that. Um, so that's a great reason to go to these events when the world opens up a little bit. Yeah, I think as well, like um, I've lived a few different places. I used to live down in Bristol and I met my friend James who's like a developer and entrepreneur there. And that was like years ago, but we just like kept in touch and he's doing like very cool, like startup stuff. So yeah, it's also just a good way to like meet people in your like local area. I guess something that's, I guess maybe something that like Americans maybe take for granted is like not everywhere in San Francisco where you can just walk into a cafe and there's like a hundred founders yeah. or a hundred developers. I think meetup groups are also really good if you're like in a small town and you're like, oh, you're the other developer here <laughs> or whatever. Who would you like to talk about next, Pete? It'd be great to talk about Arvid Kahl, who is like the co-founder of this tool for teachers called Feedback Panda. Arvid is like totally self-taught. He um, actually like did a politics degree because he wasn't interested in like computer science at the time. And he did some like work for startups remotely, had like really bad commutes, two hours long or so on the train. But during that time, he was able to like, I guess, get into entrepreneurship and like that really got him like revved up to like make something himself. So him and his partner, 
made Feedback Panda, which is basically a really simple app, but it was a way for people that teach English as a foreign language to basically give feedback really quickly to students. Lots of teachers were doing lots of like really repetitive work. So Arvid was like a developer by this stage. So he was like, oh, I have to like automate this for you because you're spending like hours each day when you're not getting paid doing this work. But yeah, he made a business out of it. And they're making, before they sold it, they're like making $55,000 a month. So it's about like 600K a year or so. And they sold it to the private equity group. He can't say how much, but if it's 600K, he probably is out for multiple of that. So they're probably millionaires right now. So Arvid is like a really good example. Like doesn't have a CS degree, just taught himself and made something like simple that people wanted. And yeah, just made a lot of cash out of it. And so you spoke a little bit about Beatrice who got a job as a developer and now Arvid who basically started a business which later got sold, which I think just speaks to the diversity of what you can do if you're a developer. Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess lots of people are like, especially in America, oh, I can make a really nice like salary out of it. But you can also make literally any website or any app you want if you know it's code. And then I guess the good thing about that is you can like, choose your own hours, choose what you work on. And then, you know, you can sell it for like a multiple of what you earn each year rather than, you know, a salary, mm -hmm. which you just get each year. And then that's that. So yeah, it's nice showing like what you can do with coding. You can find links to all these interviews on nocsdegree.com in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing on the Scrimber podcast today, why don't you subscribe and share a link to this episode with your friends on Discord or social media. And while you're there, be sure to follow me, Alex Booker, on Twitter, where I share highlights from the podcast and other news by Scrimber. My handle is at BookerCodes. Pete, tell us about Oldhair, who was a Scrimber user that got a job that you later interviewed for No CS Degree. Yeah, nice one. Oldhair basically was working as a cleaner on cruise ships around the world. And as with like lots of sectors in the economy, like the cruise ship economy completely like shut down last year because of COVID. Mm. There's lots of people that are in similar situations that have like worked in travel or hospitality or anything like that. So yeah, he was basically out of a job and he needed some money quick. So he basically started learning to code using like online resources that are like really cheap, like, you know, YouTube and Udemy and stuff like that. And he kind of like got a start with those, but then he wanted to go a bit more further into it. So he picked the front-end developer path on Scrimba, where you learn things like React. And yeah, after that, he was able to get a job remotely working as a developer for San Francisco company. And he's based in Mexico, so that's like a good like time zone yeah. fit for him, I guess. That's the dream scenario um, we were talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of US companies that are doing remote work are because it's on the same longitude. If you're in anywhere else in Latin America, you're probably in like a pretty good situation for like working for US companies. But yeah, it's really good to see to like chat to Altair and because like obviously cleaning cruise ships, it's not like the most glamorous job. And now 
like not only does he have a better paying job, but he gets to like work at home, I guess, with a laptop, which is certainly more pleasant, I think, than like working on cruise ships. Absolutely. So yeah, it's really good to hear his story. I think Old Hair like closed, like, as you mentioned, used a few different resources to learn to code and then kind of closed the loop using Scrimber. And what I really like about that is in the front-end career path, the last portion of the path is focused on interviewing. Like, okay, now you can code, you can build websites independently, you're far past tutorial how, how can you now succeed in the job interview? When applying for jobs and looking around, do you think that you have to wait until you meet all of the perfect requirements before you apply? Or do you think there's a way around that? For anyone listening, you don't have to hit every requirement because that's kind of like the companies saying like, well, in an ideal world, you'd have these things. I know friends that are looking for jobs at the moment and, and some of them have said like, oh, this last requirement I don't have. And it's just like, well, yeah, but just apply. And I think as well, like if you just apply for a job, you know, the worst that they can say is no. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a quite good attitude to take. So yeah, please don't like worry about not having every single thing. And I think especially it gets kind of satirized now, but in the last couple of years, while I've been watching the, making this yes degree, I have seen like some of the job descriptions from companies are kind of like ridiculous where they're wanting like a front end developer and a back end developer and a DevOps engineer yeah. and a marketer and <laughs> like someone yeah. to walk the dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they want like five jobs rolled into one. So I think if you've like learned HTML and CSS, and like JavaScript and a framework like React Review, you're qualified to do a job. Definitely don't be put off by like not hitting every single one. Even if you don't get a job, job interviews are a really good way to like test what you do know. And yeah, it's a really good like building exercise. Yeah, it's like that age old quote, which is like the master has failed more than the apprentice has tried kind of thing. It's not so much about learning a skill, but like max, in this case, maximizing your opportunity and, and building a feedback loop. So when you get a rejection, you know, push for a reason and use that reason to inform what you'll learn next. Because at the end of the day, if your goal is to be hired as a developer, you need to overcome these objections. And I think they keep you on track because it's very difficult becoming a dev and the temptation creeps up to like get another certificate or follow another tutorial. But those things won't actually necessarily move you in the direction you want to go because unless you're going out into the world and applying to these jobs, you're kind of in a silo. You don't really know what other people are looking for. And maybe a few months ago, I interviewed a woman named Anne-Marie. I'll put a link to her interview in the show notes as well. And she applied to a ridiculous amount of local companies, like 25 plus companies, okay? And mostly they rejected her because she was brand new to development. She'd been doing it for just a few months, but she anticipated they would reject her. She wasn't surprised, but she knew that by asking them, why did you reject me? She could inform what she would work on next. And as a result of that courage, because it is scary, man, like as a result of doing that, she was able to like do the absolute right things to get her to where she needs to be. And yeah, she started applying after a couple of months, maybe with very little experience. And after just five months, she managed to get like a, a really great job to support her and her new family and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so many testaments, both on the Scrimba blog, and I'm sure no CS degree about how you have to kind of push your comfort zone and, and apply to these things, even if you don't quite feel like you're ready. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good example. And definitely seeing where you could improve on. It's like, yeah, really good part of the interview process. 
Who should we talk about next, Pete? Uh, yeah, it'd be good to talk about uh, Josie. In the past, he's just been like, oh, it's impossible to like get a remote job as a junior. It's just, like, don't even try. Dev- like Companies want like really experienced people if they're working remotely. And yeah, I think it's just, that's really changing. And like Josie's a really, got a really cool story where she was working as a pharmacist in the UK. And then she kind of wanted to go out and travel like lots of people do. And she was, but she obviously like needed to make like an income as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, what can I do remotely? Oh, well, I can like be a developer remotely. So she learned to code. She just used like, Udemy courses, and then she did a coding challenge for someone, and they didn't. She didn't get the job, but she said like, "Oh, can you recommend me to anyone else, or like, let me know if you know anyone else that's hiring?" And that that company passed their details on to some people at Veed, which is like an online video editor, and they got back to her and just said like, "Can we have a chat?" And yeah, they hired her basically. The last time I spoke to her, she was like living in Vietnam, which has like really low living costs. And she was working for this startup that's like based in London, but is very forward thinking. And it's always been like a remote first company. So am I understanding that right? She was a pharmacist based in the UK, but kind of yearned to have more freedom. So she learned to code using Udemy and a website that pairs you with other developers. And then she traveled to Vietnam where she, well, presumably she interviewed in London then had the ability to, to travel. No, she, she interviewed remotely. Oh, sick, even better. She interviewed rem- yeah. And- yeah. It was like 100% remotely. Um, I'm pretty sure she is a pharmacist in the UK, if not somewhere in Western Europe, but basically she just went traveling, learned on the road while she was traveling and like interviewed remotely, worked remotely. 100% remotely. Very so, cool. Yeah. I just glanced at it's in Germany, I think. She says, after, after I came back to Germany, I started working in a pharmacy. Sorry. No, it's cool. And <laughs> Sorry, it, not at all. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully people can check out the uh, post for every other detail, because that sounds like a badass story. Um, so what, two more two more stories to tell, I think, Pete. Um, should yeah. we talk about Richard? Yeah, yeah. Richard started learning to code as a teenager and left school at 16 to do, I guess, like an apprenticeship with like a local company, but obviously like no degree requirements or anything like that. Um, Didn't go to boot camp either. And he kind of just like picked up skills himself and with this local web design agency, I guess. And he's from like quite a small town in Austria, I believe. And he just started like developing his portfolio. He had like a profile on LinkedIn and he just started like reaching out to companies, going for work on like Upwork and stuff like that. And then eventually he just got this offer for working as a PHP developer for this bank. And he's kind of like a rate in mind, like a daily rate that he'd used before. And then he started researching the company and he was like, well, wait a minute, this is like a huge bank. So he, he just like doubled his rate and they're just asking like, oh, how much? And like, he just doubled it and just said, yeah, this is how much. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And like signed them for like, I think it was like initially like a six month contract that kept on rolling. So it, it lasted for a couple of years. 
And so when he was 21, he was making like over $100,000. No boot camp, no tuition fee debt from university, no like CS degree, no, no like university degree at all. And the best part was he was working remotely. He moved into the this farmhouse in a village and probably like, probably earned what like 10 people in the village earned or something like that. But um, yeah, it's just like, how can you beat that? It's just like working remotely from like the countryside, but earning like a really huge salary and yeah, at age 21. So Richard's definitely done a good job there. I don't, that's, that's unbelievable. Like that's crazy. I think maybe it's a testament to how like sometimes you can follow the money. I would say working at a bank might not suit your ideals of a work-life balance, but the money's there. And and maybe I'm not here to bash PHP, but it's not the most like glamorous appeal. <laughs> <Totally> club. <laughs> but hey, it's stable yeah. and it's uh, something that banks and other big organizations use. And sometimes you get paid more. I don't want to speculate too much. I don't know the full story, but sometimes you get paid more to do the less glamorous job that not everybody wants to do. Yeah, definitely. I think as far as I know, his like his working hours were okay. I think it was kind of standard nine to five contract, but he has just had like a day rate and he's just paid very well for that. But yeah, I mean, because he was in this community that I was in, he's all, he also did have time to do like other projects and stuff like that. And yeah, he he seemed to enjoy it well enough. So, um, and I think as well, earning that much money when you're like 21, you can just like kind of bank that or invest it or something. So yeah, definitely, definitely worth it for him. And this community, is it the same one you, you talked about at the beginning, the um, WIP community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably these things that Richard was doing in addition to his normal work in the WIP community, like only helped him be a better developer and independent kind of person who gets paid more. Um, but also if you, you being part of the community, when that kind of quite candid conversation came up, like where else were you going to get that like candid message about how much someone earns? They can share it because they trust each other. Like, I think it's so cool being part of those kinds of communities and, and can totally advance your career in surprising ways. Definitely. It's funny though, because my girlfriend finds it really funny and interesting that I guess in the, it's quite unique, but in the entrepreneur, entrepreneur space, it's very common for people to share how much they're making from their businesses. Mm. And quite a lot of developers now are sharing like how much they make. And it's not like most of the time, at least it's not really like a boast, like, oh, I'm better than you because I make this much. It's more just showing people, oh, okay, this is what's possible and you can earn this much as a developer or you can earn this much from your business. So yeah, I think if you express that the right way, people can like learn from that. But yeah, money's like extremely taboo. So in most other situations, unlike Facebook, you wouldn't really share like your salary or anything. So yeah, these kind of like communities for developers or entrepreneurs are really good because you can do things like that. Very cool. We spoke about Old Hair, who went from working on a cruise ship to a developer. Finally, we're going to talk about Taylor, who went from being a waitress to a developer. Yeah, Taylor Alexis. She's got really huge following on Twitter, so she's a very cool person to follow. And yeah, she is basically, she did have like uh, some sort of university degree, but I think it was kind of like an arts, kind of humanities degree. Um, kind of familiar story where she wasn't really sure what to do after that. 
but um, she was working in like a kind of fast food restaurant. They're not such pleasant places to work. So she'd do this like not very fun job, to put it mildly, during the day. And then it's like she'd walk home and just like code all night and then go back to work the next day. And she did that for like eight months. And yeah, after that, she was able to get like a developer position. She's obviously got like a much nicer lifestyle now, much better salary, much better working conditions. So yeah, you really can change careers from like a lot of different positions. You don't really don't need to have a CS degree anymore. And people are a lot more forward thinking and taking on people from their either self-taught or have been to boot camps, perhaps. Things are looking a lot brighter now for developers without college degrees. That's amazing. And this post looks fascinating. Like she has a selfie with the React Native team speaking at a podium of American Express on it. I mean, these are only snapshots, but I think it's like pretty cool mm. um, what she's doing paired with the, with the story you just shared. I see on the post as well that like you mentioned your book, Imposter Syndrome. Is it possible that Taylor's story made its way into that book? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think she would have, I'm pretty sure she would have been in there. Loads of people have talked about imposter syndrome throughout all the interviews on the com. so i really kind of just like got all these stories like a subset of the stories i guess all about imposter syndrome and put this into an ebook and yeah i kind of decided to make it free now so if you're not sure about like tech and stuff like that you're not like the only one it's a very common thing to have imposter syndrome when you're learning to code so if you go on the CS degree and sign up for the newsletter, you can get this free ebook as soon as you confirm your email. It's like completely free, no catches or anything. Uh, you can unsubscribe immediately if you want, but like most people don't. But um, yeah, I think imposter syndrome is like very common. So it's really good for people to be more frank and open about it because Learn to code is really about getting out of your comfort zone and growing. And it's not such a thing as like you're a born developer or not. It's just all about like putting in the work each day and just making it a daily habit, I think. And just, yeah, growing from there. So you spoke about six developers. What do you think they all have in common, Pete? That's a good question. Um, I think definitely seeing past their current circumstances and having a growth mindset. So there's actually a book, which I love, uh, called Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. You can probably get it for like five or 10 bucks somewhere or get it in your local library for free. It's a really good book. And I think basically having that mindset where, okay, I'm in this place now, but with a bit of work and a bit of effort, I can change my situation. I think that's definitely the key to learning anything. That would be number one. And I think as well, making just making it a habit. So another bit Kyle's recommend to people is Atomic Habits. James Clare, right? Yeah, yeah, James Clare. It's a really good book for just learning the power of just like doing something every day. It might sound obvious, but I think like an hour or two, like every day and making that a habit is a lot better than say like going all in and doing eight hours of like coding one day and then not touching it for a week and then oh yeah. I'll do it again you want to have like a kind of steady sustainable path for your learning so yeah all these people will have done lots of things like solving their own problems or making their own projects as well 
And I think, I guess it kind of goes without saying, but if you are learning this code, then having like a GitHub and like making little projects, like it's not always necessary, but it will definitely help. It won't do any harm, put it that way. Pete, thank you so much. If you like this episode of the Scrimber podcast, be sure to subscribe. Next week, you'll hear me speak with Karen, a Scrimber community member who did a technical screening call, passed. They said, hey, I know this is an orthodox, but can you do the next interview round later today? He said yes, did that other round. 15 minutes after the interview, they called him with a job offer. Everything was going super fast, you know, like I didn't expect to crack the interview process and get my job in my first interview. This episode of the Scrimber podcast featured Pete from nocsdegree.com and nocsok.com, which is a job board. If you subscribe to nocsdegree.com and confirm your email, you'll get a free ebook about imposter syndrome featuring parts of the stories you heard today. Thanks to Jan Osanovic for editing the episode. I'm your host, Alex Booker. See you next week.